Welcome to First Turncast, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Kiwi, and with me is a BP. Hi. Uh, so we are playing the Pathfinder Adventure card game, specifically the Rise of the Rune Lords uh, base set, which came out in 2013. The designer was Mike Selinker, uh, who also did Lords of Vegas, Betrayal of House on the Hill. Those are his top 1000, but he's got like a ton of games designed that he's done. It was developed by Chad Brown, Tannis O'Connor, Paul Peterson, who also designed Smash Up and Guillotine, mm-hmm. and Gabby Weidling. The artist is Noah Bradley, who did Lords of Waterdeep, the Lord of the Rings card game, and some Magic the Gathering. And Vincent Dutre, who did Robinson Crusoe, Adventures of the Cursed Island, the Quest for El Dorado, Jaipur, Role Player, Lewis and Clark, the Expedition, Lost Cities, Mythic Battles, Pantheon, Raptor, Elysium, Broom Service, Atlantis, Rise of Second Edition, Medici, Treasure Island, Diplomacy, Yellow and Yangtze, Detective City of Angels, Lovecraft, Letter Discoveries, the Journals of Lewis and Clark, When I Dream. And those are just the games in the top 1,000. He did a, a ton more. Uh, that's one of the artists that, that like Mandy and Suzanne both go, oh, Vincent traded the art? I'll be getting that. So kind of like yeah, us with best, best so well. Yeah. Uh, and the, like I said, it was published in 2013 by Paizo Publishing. Uh, the game description. Welcome to Vasiria. It's a realm dotted with the monolithic relics of an empire long since crumbled, a rough but majestic land of misty forests and rolling plains bordered by sharp peaks and bountiful seas. Its people are hardy pioneers and newly minted nobles, all eager to carve names for themselves from the stern landscape. Beyond the settled lands, beasts and giants, unused to civilization's encroachment, stalk the hills and woods, making short work of the unwary and legends of the bold. Yet none can claim to know all of Varicia's secrets, and in its darkest shadows, an ages-old evil stirs once more. And the mechanics are cooperative game, deck bag, pool building, dice rolling, hand management, move through deck, role playing, scenario mission campaign game, solo solitaire game, and variable player powers. And the box art... So it looks like it's got a medieval uh, town, European town, I should say, very medieval Europe uh, setting um, with some goblins coming to attack from the left hand, lower left hand corner. Uh, We've got a sorceress casting some magic against them, a good paladin looking knight figure drawing uh, two swords, so getting ready to take on the goblins. So kind of your typical um, medieval setting role-playing scenario. Yeah, I I could easily see this as like the box cover to literally any fantasy setting. Yeah, like all the RPG books you probably can think of. Yeah. And I could even see some like novels, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, set in like a similar type of fashion with a cover art just like this. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, so based on this, uh, would you pick it up off the shelf? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, you know, it, I am a medievalist. That was my study. I also love fantasy. I'm also really into role-playing games lately. Cooperative. Um, I don't see why not. Pathfinder. I think we've, we did the Starfinder Starfinder, system once and. But the actual role-playing game. Right. Right. So, uh, but I know there's lots of hardcore fans into Pathfinder itself. So I'm fine with, yeah, I think, yes, we'll just stop talking. 
Yeah, I've heard uh, a lot of good things about the card game itself. And so it seems very interesting. And I've always been very interested in it. Never enough to like put down money for it, but I got this in a trade and I was like, yeah, the thing I'm willing to trade, I'm willing to get that because um, I really wanted to try it. So uh, we got it and now we're going to give it a try. Yeah. First impressions. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, so BP, how do you think it's played? Well, okay. Can we go back to the mechanics yeah. again? You said cooperative yep. hand management, I'm yep. sure. Uh, deck bag pool building, okay. some dice rolling, uh, moving through decks, role playing, mission campaign game, variable player powers. So I'm kind of, well, variable player powers. We get to pick our, our characters, which, yep. uh, you know, kind of, they are kind of a, a plethora of your standard kind of RPG characters, fantasy characters, um, deck building. I mean, there's no board kind of like um, Gloomhaven, but it kind of reminds me of that kind of scenario where you're probably going to have cards that allow you to do certain actions and kind of uh, facilitate the story. We've got other cards spread out on the, on the board in front of us. So I'm assuming like... Um, these are like kind of our adventures that we're going to go on to try to resolve. And so based on uh, what the challenges or obstacles are and our powers that we have, uh, we're going to be laying down cards kind of like you're laying down fire. Okay. I don't know where the dice rolls come in. We'll, we'll find out. Probably roll them for something. Obviously. So the history of laying down fire. Yeah. So um, there are so many directions to go. I think I've already tried to go back and and find like when exactly kind of the sci-fi fantasy literature became very popular and adventure literature became popular. Um, but the idea of uh, humans coming across... Um, kind of ruined civilizations and kind of almost refiguring what society was like when that was a thriving civilization and then kind of just going in and taking over reminds me a lot of uh, a topic I'm covering right now in my classes on the Assyrians, right? And so we know um, we know some of what went on with the Assyrians, but some of the Greek uh, armies who were coming back from uh, fighting in um, the Persian Empire stumbled across some of the ruins of the civilization and um, we're just super fascinated by them and really almost reconstructed in their minds what kind of society and civilization they must have been. Um, they were, of course, a great warrior society that pretty much governed based on fear. Uh, they resettled people across lands in order to keep them from uh, rebelling, right? So taking them almost away from power bases to make sure that they stayed in power, uh, so almost that kind of, I mean, you, you do see these things pop up in stories and literature, right? Like the big evil empire that uh, oppresses people and right rules by fear. And I mean, some of that is based a little bit on, uh, on some of our historical facts. So maybe, maybe we're going back in time to fight some Assyrians. Who knows? 
I don't know how true it is, but there's a meme going around the internet right now talking about how uh, Tutankhamun, when he was the pharaoh, Egypt was already a thousand years old and they had archaeologists that were basically doing digs on ancient Egyptians. So there were ancient Egyptian, ancient Egyptian archaeologists. And I don't know how true that is, but it's just a fun thing to think about that your empire was around so long that at some point you were like, wow, let's study that. <laughs> um, I look, yeah, the, the history of Pathfinder is interesting too. So I guess when fourth edition D&D came out, uh, Wizards of the Coast changed the licensing. Mm -hmm. And so it was a, under an open gaming licensing system. So anybody could use like whatever words they put in the D&D manuals. If you were building an adventure path, you could use those same words and you could use everything. And so you could build material that you could then add to D&D. When they created fourth edition, they were like, they changed that whole licensing. So now it was harder to actually do that stuff. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of companies that like their sole thing was to put out D&D stuff. Mm -hmm. We're like, nah, we're done. And Paizo had been running like the magazines for Dungeons and Dragons. Watsi ended that contract. And then when fourth edition came out, Paizo was like, well, we don't like that licensing. So we're going to keep with third. It was like, it was called three and a half, 3.5. Mm -hmm. So we're going to keep with that. And then they eventually called it Pathfinder and that came out in 2009. And then a couple of years ago, they just released second edition to like improve upon it. So like, it's all based on like old, older D and D, but I just thought it was interesting. Like, like the licensing is the reason why we have Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the rules, we are adventurers, the common RPG archetypes of fighters, rogues, barbarians, etc., And we're going on an adventure. The adventure path is a set of adventures all made up of scenarios. And we're going to be playing the rise of the rune Lords base set and playing the base adventure and its first scenario called Brigandoom. Uh, players will choose from the available characters, which we've done uh, pre-episode here. I am a, a human monk, and BP is a human sorcerer. Uh, we'll decide as a group who's going to go first, since it is a cooperative game. And then we'll also get to decide which locations we start on. Each character will have different stats, different amounts of each card type they can have in their deck, and have different, uh, different special abilities as well. As you play through the adventure, you'll get a chance to level up your characters so you can add additional cards, get additional stats, um, and then get to improve your deck as well. Uh, and then the game itself lasts until all characters are knocked out, the villain is defeated, or the blessing deck is depleted. On a player's turn, they will do the following. So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to advance the blessing deck, and this is mandatory. So they're going to draw a card from the blessing deck. They don't gain it. This is a way to track time. But there are cards that'll say like, hey, if the top card of the blessing deck discard pile is of this type, you get to do this thing. So it could be referenced. The next thing is, is you can give a card to another character at the same location. And this is optional. Your next thing is, is you can move to another location. This is also optional, but they, are, they do go in a specific order. So you can't move to a location where another character is and then give them a card because mm -hmm. giving a card happens before moving. And then you can explore, and this is also optional. So each of the locations has its own deck. Uh, and on the location, it will list out the types of cards that are in that deck. So you will draw 
uh, if you want to explore, you'll draw the top card of the location that you're in, and then you will resolve uh, that thing. Uh, so you could get boons. Boons could be items, spells, weapons, or armor uh, that you'll then attempt to roll to acquire, and then you'll add them directly to your hand. Um, and when you play cards from your hand, you can only use one of each type of card. So if you have two weapons in your hand, you can only use one of them when you're resolving any kind of check. There are also banes, and these are things like barriers, monsters, henchmen, and villains, and you'll have to roll to defeat them uh, as uh, per the card. So the first exploration you do in a turn is free, and after that, you'll have to pay them. Some locations will offer uh, a specific way. It'll say, like, hey, if you discard a card, you can explore again. Uh, certain cards in our deck will say, hey, if you discard this card, you can explore again. Uh, and you can do that as many times as you have the cards and you're able to do so. Uh, and then we're, there's going to be different keywords. So if it just says reveal this card, all you have to do is show that you have it in your hand and then you get to put it back into your hand. If it says display, you're going to put it in front of you and then based on the text on the card, you'll discard it at some point. Uh, if it says discard, it's going to go right to your discard pile. If it says recharge, it's going to go face down to the bottom of your deck. So eventually mm -hmm. you'll get that card again. Uh, if it says bury, you'll just put it underneath your character card. You don't get it for the rest of the scenario but you get to keep it in your player deck as you progress through the scenario and the adventure path. And then finally, if it says banish, you're going to remove it and you're going to put it right back in the box and it does not come back to your deck ever. Uh, and if you're at a location with no cards in the location deck and it's not closed, you can make an attempt to close it. Uh, so each location will have a different effect and a different way to close it. Uh, and you go from there. So, uh, and then finally, the last thing that you'll do, and this is mandatory, you're going to reset your hand. So you're going to resolve any effects that happen at the end of your turn, and then you can discard any amount of cards from your hand that you want, and then you are going to draw back up to your hand limit. And all the characters have different hand limits. So like my hand limit is four for my character, and your hand limit is six. Once the player's turn is over, play moves to the next player who repeats the same steps. So to win a scenario, we have to defeat the villain. To defeat the villain, you must draw them from one of the locations. So they've been randomly placed in one of these locations. Uh, once we draw them, if we defeat them, if there is an open location, the villain is going to go randomly to one of those open locations. So I don't want to close all of the locations. Yeah, eventually. exactly. Eventually, okay. yep. Uh, there is a way when a villain pops up that if a character is in another location, you can temporarily close it. You know, in this scenario specifically, we have four locations. Okay. So the most we can temporarily close is two. So to defeat the villain, you must draw them from location deck and beat the required roll displayed on the card. If there's still open locations, the villain will run to one of those locations at random. If there is nowhere for the villain to run, the players win. If the blessing deck needs to be advanced and cannot, or all players are dead at the same time, the players lose and the scenario ends. So if you have to draw cards from your uh, deck and you don't have any cards to draw, you're knocked out. And so if both players get to that state... Um, when we take damage, we discard cards from our hand. So that's another way that you'll end up having to draw more cards eventually. At the end of this scenario, if the player's lost, they do not gain the scenario reward, and they must play again to move on. If the players win, they gain the reward from the scenario card, which could be additional boons, loot, or feats. Uh, and feats are basically levels up, level ups on the character cards. And then you just work through all of the scenarios. So those are all the rules. Well, let's adventure. 
We just got finished playing our scenario of Doom of the Pathfinder Adventure card game Rise of the Rune Lords. And in recap, uh, we got beat up a lot. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. Very quickly. A lot. It was fast and a lot. Okay, you, uh, you said that. Yeah. I actually defeated some monsters. That's true. You, I think you did more than I did. What was your strategy in beating more monsters? Uh, trying to use my special power. Yeah, the one that let you roll the better dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did the same. Sort tried to do that something something similar um, as well. So yeah. So what do we think of the theme? Um, I mean, it definitely feels kind of RPG fantasy esque, as with most games. You know, you draw monsters, you try to defeat them. I don't know though about like ah, some of the. I mean, it's it's maybe this goes more into mechanics, though, too. But we do talk about those two things being kind of interrelated. It's weird because I guess I've never really done. I mean, it's a different deck builder than, say, like Gloomhaven or um, what's the other one? We're always playing uh, role to, uh, role player adventure. Yes. OK. Uh, where I feel like you have kind of a set deck already. Yeah. So I, that was I. I don't know how that those things mixed. I guess because I've just been exposed in this other route, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I feel like the story-wise, like I feel like the story isn't necessarily coming out in how the game is played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is like on the back of the location cards and the scenario, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like it gave you like a, you know, this is why, you know, it gave us a like why we're chasing the villain, but it right. didn't like help us like figure out like... You know, in a true RPG, like you'd go talk to the bartender, right. figure out where the villain's hideout was, and then like go explore that spot, uh, which I don't think you really get with this. But I think that would be hard. I think they're trying to take the RPG and I don't want to say dumb it down, but like you can't really do that with a card game per se. So they're trying to put like yeah. kind of the core mechanics and do that. And, and I think you lose the theme a little bit. Um, yeah, I, it starts to turn into a deck builder. Yeah, and I think you know when you brought up uh, Gloomhaven and role player adventures, those are really hand management mm, because I, you get to see all of your cards. Whereas right. with a deck builder, you end up with what's in your hand. But depending on and we, uh, I built the the recommended base decks for each of the characters, but uh, you can actually build your own deck based on what you want mm. for that character. You just have to sit down and like. Okay, these are the kind of cards that I want. And the only thing you have to do is it just has to have the keyword basic. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what you're allowed to put on your deck. And then each of the characters, it'll tell you, okay, uh, Sione Uh, can have three spells, three items, four allies, and five blessings. But those five blessings can be whatever basic Mm -hmm. blessing is in the deck, whatever basic spell is in the deck. That's what you get to start. And then as you play through the adventure, you get to add more and improved things to your deck to make adjustments. You just always have to meet that requirement. Okay. Uh, what about table presence? I, I mean, it, it wouldn't wow me walking by. I mean, the cards themselves, I mean, the art's nice. It's fine. I mean, it's your typical kind of almost deck buildery type of art. Yeah, I feel like you can definitely tell that one of the artists was a Magic the Gathering oh, yeah. artist mm-hmm. uh, because the cards are kind of laid out uh, like that. The card art is nice to look at. They're all different. Um, obviously, you know, repeat cards. So like mm-hmm. we saw a lot of the card of Blessing of the Gods. 
that specific card is the same every time. Right. If we had hit the henchman more, we would have seen that the henchman was the same card every time. Mm-hmm. But it kind of has to be that way in order right, to right, like because right. they're using the same cards across a plethora of uh, adventure decks. Yep. So. Um, yeah, and I agree. I think while it looks nice, I'm not sure I would like stop and you know, go. And then, you know, we had miniatures that went, but the miniatures don't come in the game. So the, the card art that has like just our person on it, mm-hmm. that's how you would indicate which Where you location are. you were just in the trade. Somebody had already, because this Rise of the Rune Lords is actually based on a RPG adventure path, like mm-hmm. the books. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Paizo had already made miniatures and that's this person that had the game before us had purchased them to use with the game. Uh, mechanics? We already kind of talked about yeah, that we, a little we, bit, yeah. Yeah, we did. And and I don't... Um, I thought it was interesting, like, you know, they're trying to set it up so that you can play, like, different adventures and different scenarios and mm-hmm. use the same cards over and over again. So I thought it was interesting that, you know, they tell you... And you get to see, like, okay, the waterfront is going to have more monsters and less stuff. Or, you know, the woods. Um, I think there's one that's like a general store. And, like, that general store is, like, mm. more weapons, armor, and mm-hmm. items. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, one enemy. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could end up, like, going there a bunch and, like, just getting a bunch of things. But the more you spend doing stuff, the quicker you get through the... Blessing. The blessing deck. And that's one of the ways to lose is go through that blessing deck. Mm-hmm. So there's that one hand where you like, you want to play cards to keep exploring, mm-hmm. but as you use up those cards, you might not have something to get through an encounter. But if you don't get through more cards, you could blow through the blessing deck. So it kind of make, forces you to make some some harder decisions, I feel like. Uh, what do you think of the mechanics? Uh, like I said, I, I feel like it's more a deck builder, which I, um, if we've listened to podcasts before, we know that deck builders aren't my favorite. So, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I think the nice part about this one uh, is, you know, with a lot of deck builders we play, we're, we're against each other. Right, so right, right, like, right. There's no reason for me to help you try and figure out, like, what can we do? And like, right. So if we can see everybody's cards, then we can have like a better idea of like, oh, if I right, do right, this right, for right. you. Yeah. I wish we did a couple times. Uh, how was learning the game rules? Um, I didn't pay attention much to all the words you had said at the beginning. Shocking. I know. Uh, but I, it, a couple of rounds and it seemed pretty straightforward. Yeah, I just, I guess, like, from thinking about the mechanics and learning it, uh, yeah, the role playing's kind of missing, which I feel like, you know, it's storytelling would add add to it a little bit. But, yeah, um, I think it was once you did a couple hands, it was pretty... Yeah, I think once we got to the end, like, when you picked up cards from the encounter deck, you didn't just put them down and just, like, sit back and let me read them. You were already like, okay, I need this score, I'm mm-hmm. rolling this stat... Uh, I'm going to discard this card to use my power. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like that, you know, pretty indicative of, you know, where we wanted to go. And so like I left off a bunch of stuff when I went through the rules because mm-hmm. I feel like I could have talked for a long time to hit all the little nuances. I was just like, I'm going to cover the big picture stuff. And then as we hit different things uh, in the game, we can talk about it when we get there, which I think is a better way to teach, especially a game mm-hmm. like this, you know, cover the basics and then get into more nuanced stuff as you go forward. So, uh, and then the rule book is, it's laid out pretty, pretty well. Uh, the only thing I had to look up is what do we do with a villain when we defeat the villain? Cause I knew that they would go to a different location and I was pretty sure that 
the way that we played it was the correct way, but I just wanted to make sure. So that's the only reason I went back in the rule book, but it was quick to find. So it was good. And then they have like a lot of little like hints and tricks. And, you know, one of the things they bring up is, you know, should we split the party? And it goes mm. into like, you know, it's a common like RPG, you know, trope, like never split the party. It's right. like, but in this game, like it might be a good idea right. because of the blessing deck. You might want to be in separate places. Uh, and there are characters that have powers that benefit from being in a place alone. Okay. So... Interesting for a cooperative game. Right. Uh, but the character's a rogue, so it makes sense. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, a. I think the power is like sneak attack. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to right. be there. And, yeah. So, uh, so the Kona Central question, would you play it again? Uh, yeah. I think, though, like if we are looking for an adventure kind of storytelling cooperative, I'd go with one of the other ones. But um I, I want to try it again to not lose and just, you know, just give it another go. Yeah, I think I would like to give it another go. Maybe use the base set to like get used to those cards. And mm-hmm. then maybe after that point of like, if we still lose again, maybe going in and being like, okay, I don't think these cards were working for me. I'm going to trade them out with these cards and then try to build up a different one or try a different character. Cause it's possible that like our character combinations just right. didn't go together or, you know, Maybe the character that I picked, because it's from the character add-on pack, it's Mm. not from the base, so you came in the base set. Maybe because of that, it's a little bit more difficult to play. Mm -hmm. They didn't really have like a... Starter. Yeah, like, hey, these are really good for the first time you're Mm -hmm. playing. So the only thing I had recommendation-wise was, hey, if this is your first time ever playing, you should do this scenario and start start with that. Um, But yeah, there's like six adventure decks for the whole thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and each deck has like six to eight scenarios that you play through as you get through and and your character would level up Mm -hmm. as you go through Mm -hmm. so like if you played your character all the way through that's why some of those monsters it was like hey add the adventure deck to the difficulty so yeah you could hit that same zombie and it's now plus six because you're facing it on adventure path six so it, it does scale up for you know, you leveling up and mm-hmm. it shouldn't get easier, but yeah. So I think I would also play it again. I think is the roundabout way of me getting there. This might be one of those where it's kind of like, I feel like I liked it a little bit more than you did. Mm-hmm. So it might just be like, this is just sort of like a solo game that I play through. And I feel like you would be okay with that. Whereas like if I sat down and played role player adventures by myself, or if I sat down and like played Gloomhaven by oh, myself, I would like, be upset. Yeah. And I don't think I would do that, but I think like I wouldn't feel bad coming down and setting this up and just playing through it on my own. Like, yeah, whatever. Okay. I don't think it would hurt anybody. So, uh, and that was Pathfinder Adventure Card Game: Rise of the Rune Lords. <laughs> so, if you have any uh, recommendations or ideas, just uh, on games to play, and you want to hear our impressions, send any of those our way. Uh, email is first turn tabletop at gmail. Uh, we are also on Instagram and Twitter at First Turncast. And the podcasting camel, as he is walking through the ruins of the ancient empire, says, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. All right. So, yeah. So then you get knocked out and we lose. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
I'm almost out of cards. I'm almost dead, Kiwi. Yeah, me too. You're not discarding them. You're not saying, hey, do work. You're literally killing them. <laughs> wow. You're burying them. Wow. That's right. Wow.